Chopper Live, the build-off is... Hey, we have got Paul Jr. in the house today. It's totally cool. Uh, we actually have a kind of a double whammy going. We've got his wife, Rachel, that's here with him also. So that's going to be totally outstanding on the deal. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, if, if you know anything about uh, motorcycles, then you know this guy because he is just literally, I mean, at the top. What he does is so creative and the level at which he does it is just so far beyond what is out there. It is just incredible. But even if you are someone here today and you go, look, I'm not a motorcycle person. Maybe you're as much a motorcycle person as I am. And uh, I've got a Honda Trail 90 at home. That's as far as I go. So... Um, I'm just telling you, if you haven't seen the show, the show has all sorts of relational dynamic stuff going on. Uh, it, it's fun to watch the craftsmanship that goes into these builds that these guys do. You, you're going to want to check it out because it's just cool uh, off the hook. Another thing that's happening today that's pretty cool is that uh, they are just now coming from Sturgis, which is a huge gathering of motorcycle people. Uh, one of the motorcycles is out there in the lobby. They just unveiled at Sturgis for the first time, so you and I are literally second in line from a brand new uh, reveal of one of the motorcycles that's going to be on the show this year. Nobody's seen it yet uh, till now. So it's just, it's a cool, cool, cool day for you to be here and be part of it. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to give a cornerstone welcome uh, to Paul Jr., to Rachel Tuttle. Okay, so Rachel, all the single guys in the room are asking right now, uh, where did you guys meet? <laughs> uh, we actually met in Atlantic City, of all places. Um, I think that for both of us, neither of us were really looking for a relationship at the time. Um, neither of us were really in a great place in our lives, but we ended up meeting in a club. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, the rest was history. Here's the part I think is cool about the story is that when you met this guy, you weren't very impressed. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> not so much. <laughs> no, um, someone actually introduced us, and they were like, oh, I want you to meet Paul Jr. from, I was like, okay, you know. Um, I think from there, we started to have a conversation. I realized what a nice guy he was, and we Here's started a friendship. Here's what I think is so friendship. cool, though. There are six-foot-two, 250-pound biker guys who would be tongue-tied to be around this guy, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, I could say, thank God she looked past my cockiness because yeah. uh, it has been phenomenal. And we did meet in a club, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, God is not really restricted by, you know, how, when, and where. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this has been an amazing relationship. And, uh, you know, it all started in uh, the Borgata in Atlantic City. So Yeah. yeah so tell us about how does, how does this get started? How do you, how do you end up building motorcycles for a living? Because, I mean, how do you get into that? What, what is that? Well, you know, I mean, at an early age, my father was always into bikes, and, he, you know, he always had a, a bike, not really a, a lot of bikes, but a bike in the basement growing up, and, you know, we had a lot of dysfunction in the family, hmm. and uh, so, you know, I really always was trying to have a relationship with my father, hmm. and that seemed to be a good way. It was something he was interested in, so I if I took interest, then it meant we would spend some time together. So, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I would just maybe hand him a wrench or it was just really about uh, spending time together. Mm. And then as things progressed, you know, years later, uh, I worked for him in the steel business. He started building bikes uh, in, in the basement. And, you know, I would start leaving work every day for a short period of time. Uh, to do some fab for the projects that he was working on. And we started working on them together, and then it kind of transitioned into a full-time job. Hmm. Uh, we did that for about two years, and, you know, we just got a call one day from uh, a production company. And they said, hey, you know, we'd like to come down and film what you guys do. They didn't have a clue what we did. They just they saw uh, our website, and uh, they came down, and that, that's 10 years now filming. So, so literally from your dad's basement to where it is today. I mean, that's just an incredible story. Yeah, I mean, and never, happen. you know, we never were, we never were like making videos and sending them out. I mean, yeah. it was really, it just, it was just meant to be, you know, it was just in God's plan for us. And, and, you know, they came and found us and we were mm. a fish out of water and, um, you know, it just, we acclimated and we yeah. started building bikes on television and, you know, Obviously, the, the fan base was massive in the whole success, and the yeah. idea that we still have a show after 10 years has been obviously in large part because people keep watching. So, you, you've built, I mean, you've built incredible bikes. So, if, if, if I were to ask you and say, okay, which, which one means the most to you? Which one do you look back and go, you know what? I mean, that, that one bike probably says more about me, and I'm prouder of that bike than any of the other ones. Which, which one would you pick? Yeah, you know, I think that's probably an extremely common question. And, uh, you know, I think for fans, they all have their favorites. Uh, for me, and when I look back, you know, the jet bike kind of kicked it off for us. Um, that was the first bike we ever did. Yeah. Uh, the Black Widow was the first bike of our series, and that's become a very iconic bike. Hmm. Um, the Fire Bike is huge. Uh, you know, what an honor that was all those years yeah, ago. Yeah, you guys were building that for the firemen who all died in 9-11, right? That's right. right. Yeah. yeah, and we got to unveil it down in the city at a firehouse. and uh, So, I mean, massively popular bikes with the fans and with us, just a tremendous amount of meeting. More recently, uh, we built a bike for the 9-11 Memorial, yeah. and uh, that was just a great honor uh, mm -hmm. that they chose us. And, you know, they could, they could have chose anyone who paints, sculpts, uh, you know, pretty much it works in any medium, and, and, and they, they chose us to build mm -hmm. a bike, and so it was a real honor. Um, 
But unquestionably, I think as far as our team goes, uh, as far as kind of Paul Jr. Designs is concerned, uh, this build-off bike here was definitely uh, kind of a turning point for our company. Hmm. Um, it's something that we're really proud you, of. You said to me, you feel like a lot of the character of your company is in that bike. Yeah. That it says something about who you guys are. Would you show us the bike? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 You guys want to see it or what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this for us was just an incredibly unique opportunity, uh, unique project. You know, really the first time we were faced with competition uh, in, in, a, in a very uh, um, direct sense, you know, the idea was to build a bike against Jesse James and OCC. Um, and I'm sure many of you saw that. We, there was a lot of people watching that. And, uh, uh, you know, for us, it, it, it was important for us to do something incredibly creative and way outside the box from anything that's ever been done before. And you can see with this bike, it just has a very unique stance um, slightly oversized, got 30-inch wheels front and back. With that, we had to scale up the frame just to get the proportions right. And uh, from a craftsmanship level, it's all copper and aluminum. Uh, there's some steel in there, some nickel plating, um, but no paint, no powder coat. And this was really, uh, this really pushed us as a team. Uh, our guys, uh, you know, I got to tell you, uh, we have very skilled people, but it, it really pushed their envelope of their comfort level um, and really has built a very strong team uh, at Paul Jr. Designs. And none of it's possible uh, without everybody involved. Um, if you watch the build-off at the end, we had like 40 people there, man, and everybody just rushed the stage. Uh, and there was a lot of pressure uh, around that whole situation, um, but as you can see, we we, we did a uh, we used P51 Mustang, very Americana kind of theme. Uh, we got our exhaust coming out of the gas tank here, all aluminum gas tank. Uh, there's no fuel in here. The fuel is underneath the the transmission, and it, the fuel gets pumped up to the carburetor. Uh, Single-sided front end, uh, very unique, all one-off, custom-made. You can see how there's no fork on this side. It leaves the wheel really wide open, and we got our nose cone there. Uh, we, we were able to pull that off front and rear. Um, and just, you know, really what the bike means to us as a company, it just kind of turned a corner for us, and it pushed us. And since then, uh, we've really been challenged with pushing the envelope and, uh, you know, as a team, really coming up with new and innovative designs. See, I, I think I told you, I, I've watched the show a bunch. I, I, the show does not do justice to the craftsmanship mm -hmm. that's here. And, I mean, I came in this morning, I took a look, I went, I stood here for 10 minutes just staring at this thing because it is just so remarkable when you get up close to see the detail that is in this thing. And, man, thank you. And just very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we would all be deaf uh, if we did that. You, you and your dad did this show yeah. uh, 10 years together. And then any of us that have been watching the show know about the show, yeah. uh, where everything, I mean, it just, it blew up. The hinges came off, and uh, your dad fires you yeah. uh, right there on national TV. Tell us a little bit about Well, that. I mean, you know, I think through the years, we've had a lot of blow-ups. Uh, that's partly the reason why everyone watches the show, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, really it's funny because it did, you know, that whole dynamic, the raw quality of it really is what 
um, I think people related to, kind of the craziness and, you know, some of the instability that everyone experiences. But it just came to a time where uh, it wasn't working for me, uh, apparently it wasn't working for him anymore, and it just, you know, it came to an end. And mm. um, I think that was hard for me because, honestly, I never, I always thought, man, I'll ta- I'm going to take over this company eventually because I was so invested um, but that just wasn't the plan. And uh, so what, what started out as a really bad thing has turned into an absolutely phenomenal uh, mm. and w- probably the best experience of my life and in, in, in our life uh, in transitioning into Paul Jr. Designs and be, having all these opportunities. So even though, yes, it's been bad with, with the lawsuit and all the ugliness, um, out of that adversity, we've been able to grow Mm. Um, and really kind of take things to a different level. So I think, I think sometimes when we watch reality TV, we get the impression that everybody's being kind of coached and moved into it. That's, yeah. not, that's not what's going on in your show. I mean, what, it, it's real-life yeah. stuff. It really is, you know, and I mean, I think there's always an idea, you know, it's television, so, you know, is it real, isn't, isn't it real? And yeah, I mean, it's always been real, and we've, we've never really needed any coaching. I mean, yeah. it's always been, you know, the, the raw nature of it is what is relatable. Um, yeah. You know, I think people watch for all different reasons, but unquestionably, like, that common ground is they can relate to how it's not perfect. Yeah. Hey, I, I just want to say this to you. I... I've watched the show. I've, I've, I've seen the interactions, and I, I've watched you time after time try to kind of bite your tongue and not go there. And, and then there have been moments when, you know, you went maybe a little to the other side. But I, I just honor you for the effort that I've seen and for you, you know, trying to be honorable towards your dad and all of that. And, yeah, I, I just thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I just, I just want to say with that, which is not always an easy thing, um, but just really the, the whole idea was, is to honor God in everything. And if you can do that, then you don't have to worry about what other people are doing. You just have to worry about what you're supposed to mm. be doing. And that, you know, it's not always been easy. And believe me, we've talked privately and said, oh, we should do this. We should do that. <laughs> Only in conversation, I said, you know what, that's, that's not the way you do things. Mm. You just got to, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Let other people be responsible for themselves. We all have to answer to God. So, you know, we, we want to go in clean and, and keep it, you know, keep it good. Yeah. Now, Rachel, I think this part's interesting. Your entire relationship with this guy, so a couple of years as his girlfriend and then now as his wife, it's, it's always been turmoil. Mm-hmm. It, there's always been something going on. And, you know, if it wasn't bad enough as it started, then the guy gets fired and there's a lawsuit. I mean, it's just, it, it went bad. What's that been like for you? Uh, you know, it's really been pretty difficult. Um, You know, of course, coming in when I had first met Paul, he was working for OCC, um, and it was maybe a year into our relationship that he had gotten fired. Um, At that point, we didn't really know where things were going. Um, To follow that came a lawsuit. He had a one-year non-compete. We started a company out of our house, which was interesting also. Um, But then getting married, um, you know, that was a difficult thing because there is problems within the family. And I'm coming into this family, and we're blending families, and I have a father-in-law now that I don't really have much of a relationship with. Hmm. So another part of the story that I thought was intriguing is that as you've watched this, you were one of the ones that kind of initiated to say, hey, we can't leave this this way. We've we've got to, and part of that was when you guys did finally decide to get married, um, you ended up saying to Paul, look, I think we got to invite Dad to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that a little bit. Uh, you know, at that point, um, you know, we had been engaged for some time and the invitations were going out and there was no relationship. Um, they were not on speaking terms. There was a lawsuit. 
Um, a lot of the family was not getting along with him at the time, so it would not only be uncomfortable for us, but probably for our family members mm. at the wedding for him to be there. Um, but I just felt like it was important that we invite him anyway, and we put that out there and um, really leave it on him. You know, he chose not to come ultimately, but we invited him. He mm. was, you know... And, you know, for me, you know, I'm looking at our wedding day as, as a really important day for both of us, but it's, it's, it's her day, and so I'm thinking, you know, in the midst of the craziness, it would be so disruptive to have him there. So I was considering, honestly, like, hey, maybe it's better if we just leave well enough alone. This is, we got a lot going on. She planned the whole wedding. There's just a lot of things that you're going, look, I don't care. Nothing's going to ruin this day. Um, and she was willing to take the chance on that mm. because she thought that it was the right thing to do, and in hindsight, absolutely was the right thing to do, and it has been a good encouragement to me and kind of a champion uh, to see the relationship come around. Though she supported me in understanding the situation, always kind of leaning towards it would be nice to see you guys get along. So she's just been an incredible force in my life. Mm. Something I thought was a big moment in this whole kind of thing you began to feel like maybe you saw a little bit of an opening with dad. And despite the fact that in your heart you kind of said, man, look, I, I don't think I own this. I think, I think I'm on the right side of this thing. You decided to reach out. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I think there was an... There, we went through this big lawsuit, and it was messy, and then after the lawsuit, things didn't really clear up that great, and uh, so we started stepping into kind of an area where, it, through the show, I was watching the show. It's so odd because, you know, you're on the same show together, and but you don't know anything that's going on, and uh, so I would watch the show and see what's going on the same way you guys would, and, uh, you know, so we saw an episode. My father was kind of knocking on doors and looking in windows like he really uh, reached, trying to reach out. I, I was little, I had a little bit of hesitation there, like, I'm not sure what this is about, but, so I started to really get, started to really feel the conviction to say, hey, look, if this is real, then uh, I need to do something about it. It was a, a set of circumstances that happened that really was calling me to step up and, in spite of the circumstances and the history, reach out. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think that there's an idea of obedience, and what I've done is I've said, look, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Right. Mm. So when it came time, uh, and justifiably, for me to not reach out f felt justifiable because of what my father's done. So if you look in the natural, you go, well, wait a minute. What did I do? Well, for all intents and purposes, for the, the duration of everything, it's been a lot of attack on us, and we're just, hey, we're just hanging in there. Um, so in the natural, I could say no. Um, but, I, but, but I felt like God was saying, hey, reach out to him. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I said, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I don't care if it's comfortable. I don't care what it is. Not, not just that, but to go and just walk right down into OCC, sit mm. down with a meeting and start finding out what this See, whole that's, thing that's is got, about. That had to be uncomfortable to go walking back into OCC. I mean, all the ghosts, you all know, the memories. You know, it was. I knew I was supposed to be there, so there's a certain level of confidence when you know you're supposed to be doing something. Mm. But, yeah, you know, you go into a building that you haven't been in years that for all intents and purposes you built with your father, the whole business. Um, but, you know, I don't have a lot of hang-ups from that because of the opportunity we have now. We're so much better in a better place and better off that it's not like I'm holding on to a lot of that past. A lot of that stuff has subsided. Hmm. Um, it's just really good, went into it saying, what, is there a relationship here with my father? And if there's a tiny glimmer of hope, then I'm going to hold on to it because life's too short and I'm just not going to let go that wow. easy. I, I, I've heard you use this phrase. You said, I, I felt like I was right, 
but I knew I could be right and be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's how I feel through this. And this is, I'm learning this when I'm sitting here talking. This is new. So, I mean, you know, yeah, sometimes you can be right and be wrong. So, as far as in principle, you could be right, but if God asks you to do it and you don't, then you're wrong. And that's kind of mm. where I just wasn't willing to be wrong in that area. And, you know, mm. I think that there's a lot of people out there that deal with these kind of things. Our situation is just very public. Um, so I think a lot of what happens here, I don't always understand, but it's definitely so that people can relate and understand. And you always want to know that there's hope. And, you know, I don't, I, my absence in all this time frame that I've been away from my father has been very healthy. Uh, mm. It really has. It's, you know, you, there's a bad situation there, unhealthy relationship, fairly oppressive. You remove yourself from that, you can grow. Mm. But when God says it's time to start figuring out what the next step is, you have to be obedient. Here's why I think that story is so powerful for us to be hearing today is that we're getting ready to start a whole series on family. And, yeah. and in essence, what your story is, is that you guys, as you're doing a family together, said, what do we want our family dynamics to be? What do we want the tensions and the cultures around our family to be. Someday you guys are planning on having kids. What, what's that going to be like to bring kids into this family? And you guys have said, look, we're going to, despite what the history is, despite what got us to here, we're going to set the same. We're going to establish what does it mean to be a Tuttle? You know, yeah. what does that mean? And I just think that's so powerful because that's exactly the conversation we're going to be having in the next five or six weeks is to say, you may come from a horribly unhealthy family. You may come from an amazing family. But right now, you're writing the chapter for your family. And what does that mean to set up a legacy of family in a healthy way? So just what a great example to us that yeah. you reached back and said, if there's any hope, I've got to do the right thing in this moment. Very, very cool on you yeah. guys' part. Hey, um, you had kind of an encounter. You, you, you've, you had an experience with church and Jesus and all of that as a, as a young guy. Then you spent years not necessarily doing much about that, kind of living outside that. But recently, in the last couple of years, you've kind of reevaluated. You've kind of come back to say, hey, maybe yeah. including God in my life is important. Tell us what kind of moved you that way. What got you thinking Yeah, you that know, way? I mean, I think I've, I've been a Christian since I was young, uh, 12 years old or so. And, and really, you know, uh, we don't have to get into it, but I mean, but by, by the time I was 16, I was in rehab. I mean, I just went through so many things as a Christian, you mm -hmm. know, and I think for a lot of my walk, I just felt like, I think there's a misconception that we, as Christians, we feel like we have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. There's this idea of it, and we could say in our heads, oh, we know that's not right, but there, you're living under this religion uh, that nobody can really hold up under. Right. Um, and I just was there for so long, and I couldn't get out from under it. And every time I fell, I would just feel guilty. And so eventually, I just go back to doing whatever it is I want to do. Um, and I, I think it wasn't until my thinking started to change. Honestly, my set of circumstances, the, the situation with my father, Rachel, coming into my life, there was circumstances that required maturity. And, you know, you start at some point in time, you have some type of revelation. And really, it was just, hey, are you going to grow up? Because it's mm. time to grow up. And what that means is you got to give up stuff. See, I think that it's interesting. We think that God doesn't see everything, right? So we hold stuff back. We have these secret places inside, and it's, it's, it's mucked up. It's not in a good place, you know? Um, it's, it's a muddy place, and it's a, so we got to clean those rooms out. And I think until the, the, the room started to get cleaned out, 
um, and it gave room for God to come in. Because, you know, mm. salvation is one thing, extremely important, but to have an active relationship and to be moving forward and in a healthy place is, is something altogether different. Mm. And I think that's been the change. So really, in, with Rachel's help, and obviously God's help, really to make room for him, and it, it enabled the, the real change. You know, I, I saw myself one time as being glass, and I saw myself as glass, and I said, man, God could see right through me. If I could mm. grasp that and I can't hide anything from him, maybe I could stop doing all these things that I used to do that I thought I was keeping from him. And that has just opened up a whole different world mm. because that's when character and integrity start to step in. That's true integrity. Um, so that's been the game changer for us, unquestionably. You, you had mentioned to me that for a long time you kind of felt like if you ever decided to follow Christ, you were going to have to give something up, yeah. and then your heart changed about this. Yeah, man, I think that there's a misconception that if you're a Christian, you have to be somebody else and, and not have fun and you're giving up so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not true because if you're in an active walk with Christ, you gain the world. Mm -hmm. um, you, don't get, you only gain. You don't give anything up. And that's kind of what, we, what we're stepping into. And it is a very exciting place to live. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, and we, you never know what's coming next. And you have to live in, on blind trust quite often. Um, but, you know, he's got, he's got your steps ordered, yeah. and, I mean, it, it is exciting. And, and Rachel, you didn't grow up in a church background. Your, your walk with God is a fairly recent thing. Tell us about that mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, growing up, you know, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I knew of God. I felt like I had a personal relationship with God. But it really wasn't until I met Paul that he introduced me to church and Christianity and, you know, the Word and just... Mm being active and having a relationship like that. And, you know, I think it's made all the difference, not only in our relationship, but in our families and now our business. Mm. And I think the cool part about hearing your guys' story, you end up introducing her to Jesus Christ and what that really means. But you then turned right around and said, and this gal is pushing me to live better for Jesus yeah, every single day. I think it's been the awesome part about our relationship. You know, we're married, but we're also in business together. I mean, we do an awful lot together, and it's just, it really has been a blessing, and, and she pushes me, and I, I've said it before, I'm not who I am without who we are. I mean, mm. that's just the bottom line. It's, it's a real simple thing, and then together, we're, we're in this thing together, and it has really, get, being married and, and our relationship has changed me an awful lot. Wow. I, I thought it was interesting because I, I heard about kind of a watershed moment in, in you guys' walk with Jesus, and that was you guys had been living together uh, for a couple years, and then you started to feel convicted about this. So tell us that story. Yeah, you know, we were living together for, I don't know what, two years. Two, about two yeah. years, and uh, we had so much going on, and the, my, the, the lawsuit just started, and we were, we were trying to start a company without being able to build bikes just on design, and uh, we were selling T-shirts out of our house. And we, was just, we were really busy, I upside down. I was the only down. employee at the time. <laughs> yeah, she was the yeah. only. It was just me and her. And trying to walk through all that and bad learned habits of how to do things. And so uh, a friend of mine said, well, why don't we go away for the weekend? We went on a little uh, weekend retreat. It was a very small thing. And uh, you know what? We, 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 were, we were kind of uh, reading. And we said, all right, let's get alone. And we went in a room. And I started to really just... I've always felt the conviction of living together, like, we, like I didn't feel like it was the right thing. And, uh, but it just really came over me, and I said, mm. you know, I got to do something about this after two years. And I said, you know, this is the girl for me. I think, I think she's the one. And, you know, really having major commitment issues and really having to say, well, what's the deal? And uh, so coming out of that meeting, I said, I know I have to 
I have to marry her. And we gotta, she's got to move out. We got to figure out how to get this thing right again hmm. before we take it to the next level. And so I was in Pennsylvania at this thing, and I'm driving home, and I'm just very convicted. And I said, you know what, God, if you want Rachel to move out of the house, you're going to have to tell her yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love this moment because you'll stand up to Paul Sr., but you didn't want to stand up to Rachel <laughs> on the deal. That's right. Right? And, so, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a fear factor. It was more just – it was – I had the conviction, but I didn't want to put it on her. You know, all of our relationship has been very functional in the sense mm. of action and not a lot of talk, not a mm. lot of preaching or anything of that nature, just in function, like really working towards doing the right thing together. And that's like in the function of it is where the, the, the relationship really grew. Um, so I came back home and, you know, I didn't want to say anything. And so, I mean, it wasn't a couple weeks later mm. and... So I think this is the cool part of the story because not only when God was working at your heart at this moment, He was working in your heart, right, Rachel? Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Uh, little did He know that I had been feeling this way for quite some time. Um, mm. You know, I had it had to be well over a month that I was kind of toying with the idea that maybe I should move out. Um, I was kind of testing the waters with my friends and, you know, on the phone with my mother saying, you know, what do you think if I moved out? Do you think this is a good idea? And eventually, I just got the courage up to tell him that, you know, I feel like I should move out, which was a very hard thing to do. And he agreed with me, like, immediately, hmm. which was surprising. Um, but, you know, it really made all the difference. It was very important. I think at first, um, our families maybe thought that there were some problems. I grew up two and a half hours away, so I wasn't um, around my family, around my close friends that I grew up with. And, you know, my brother's like, maybe you should come home. But um, I think ultimately it really just kind of, um, you know, showed everyone that we really wanted to do this the right way. Hmm. And, you know, I think it was just awesome because God was a prepared her heart before I even went, before I had even gone away. Mm -hmm. And he really did tell her. So mm -hmm. it was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's my part of this. How much courage, Rachel, does it take to go to the man you love and say, look, I, th I think we ought to move out and I'm... I'm I'm not trying to break up with you, and I'm not trying to create distance in the world. Matter of fact, I'm trying to make our relationship better by honoring you, by honoring God. How much courage does that take to have that conversation? It was very difficult. I mean, I had thought about it. I thought how I would say it. I thought, you know, when could I bring this up? How would he take it? Um, and really, I mean, it was just a very tough thing because I didn't know how he would take it. I didn't know if that would you know, alter our relationship or ruin our relationship or, mm. you know, if he would be accepting of that. Um, so it really took a lot and I was very scared to kind yeah. of bring it up. But once I did, I just really felt like I got and, it and off my chest. you guys lived apart nine months. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. We went and got Rachel an apartment uh, in, in, in the town where we live. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, for nine months, we, we, we really, we, we did the right thing uh, after two years. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, we, we just... We just honored each other, and we honored God in the process. And then uh, August uh, 20th, we got married that year, and uh, that's two, almost two years ago now. Yeah. And it was the best, most amazing wedding. Uh, we just had such a great time, and you could just feel, you know, that we went ahead and were obedient, and you could mm. feel the result of that. And ever since then, we have felt the results of that obedience and really honoring God. And it's, it's reflected in our relationship, in our relationships outside of each other that we have with other people, and unquestionably in our business. Wow. 
See, here's why, man, I love that you shared that with us. I, I guarantee you we've got couples here in Cornerstone that are living together. And, and I guarantee you that, that in their hearts, they would say, we, we know. We know this doesn't honor God, and we, we know we shouldn't be doing this. And yet, they're struggling, and, and, and no one's had the courage to say, let's, hey, let's just do this, and it may cost us more. It, it, it's going to be hard, but in order to honor you and in order to honor God, let's do the right thing yeah. right now. Let's do that. And, and I just believe there are couples in this room that need to go home today, and one of them needs to have the courage to say, come on, let's, yeah. let's do this right so that God can be honored. <laughs> we can get to that wedding day and have a statement about our faith. Yeah. Very, very cool. Thank you guys for sharing that with us, man. That's just, that's huge. Yeah. You told me that through this whole process that maybe one of the most powerful things that helped you guys was that there were people who were living around you who were speaking into your life but weren't judging. Yeah. They, they were just loving you through it and telling you the truth. Tell us about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with the change of, you know, what, what changed. You know, we were Christian, and, but what changed? And it was really that pe- God put people in our lives that they were willing to love us even though we were living together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say they accepted it, but they accepted us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really loved us through the process. Uh, they still, you know, were good to us. They were friends with us. They didn't judge us harshly. Uh, they would make mention of what's your intention of things of that nature, but it was a very good situation for us. And so, you know, when we talk about it, you got to remember two years we were living together, there was a lot of thoughts in my head of, I know we're not supposed to be doing this, but it took time. You know, mm. everybody's in a different place with that stuff. So, you know, I think that when, when the t- you know what it was? Seeking God. Mm. Because over that period of time, there was a lot of, well, maybe... Maybe, maybe we should figure this out, you know, in my own head. But until we really started, see, he started opening doors hmm. just like that. Okay, right. We, all right, we're going to surrender. What do you want? And then, bam, and he, you know, starts softening up her heart in the, in the same direction as me, and we meet in the same, and it's meant to be. I mean, that was the awesome part. So hmm. I think that's the key. Here's the million-dollar question, I think, today. You've, you've clearly have got abilities. That, I mean, I can't build anything like that. I mean, that's just, it, the capacity to do that is off the hook. You've got notoriety. You're, you're on a TV show, 10 years running. You've got finances that most of us in this room will never know that type of finances. You've, you've already done and gotten and accomplished what a bunch of us in this room think we want and are trying to get. Why does a guy like Paul Jr., why do you need Jesus in your life when you got all that other stuff? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that uh, it's the idea of the relationship with Christ, everything else is a product of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of it is really unimportant in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's, not, um, it's not what fills that void. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to have things in a priority order. So if you put him first, everything else falls into place. Uh, I don't care if you're a janitor or the president of the United States. Um, to have true fulfillment, you have to have that relationship. Hmm. And then everything else will fall into place. Look, everyone has gifts. Yeah. Everyone has God-given gifts. Oh, we just happen to build motorcycles and, hmm. you know, and have the show. Um, but everyone has the same opportunity, and that's really what's important. So we would not be sitting here today uh, or have any level of success without having our priorities in order. Wow. All right, so here's the last question. Yeah. Hmm. 
What took you so long? I mean, what, why was the journey so long? How come it took you so long to figure out, Jesus? what do you think that was in your life? You know, I don't know. You know, you go through things in life, and it's hard to figure it out, and you're like, man, why did this happen? And it, we've never been guaranteed this perfect life, that's for sure. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, you can be guaranteed you're going to have struggles. Um, why it's taken so long to start to have revelation in these areas, I, I really don't know, but I can tell you that it has made us uh, more usable, hmm. um, more, uh, you know, relatable. I mean, I could probably talk to anyone in here about any number of problems, and on some level, I've experienced uh, something like that. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, you have to go through these things uh, in order to be useful. So, hmm. I mean, in your, you know, it's a process. You know, I want everyone to understand, when we sit up here and talk, this is like, this is in process. Nobody, we have not arrived anywhere. Uh, hmm. we, are, we, are, we are really uh, under construction um, but it's an awesome place to be. You know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Hmm. Thank you, guys. Man, thank you yeah. for sharing with us, yeah. for being honest and open. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, if you just grab a seat for a second. Here, here's, here's what I'm hoping, guys. I, I hope as you go home in just a couple of minutes, that you go home with more than just saying, man, we heard an incredible interview. I, I hope you go home thinking a little bit. And here's, here's what I just want to encourage you. As you leave this place, would you consider this? What does it mean to you that a guy like Paul Jr., who, who's already got some of the things that you and I think we need? I mean, the, the guy already has unbelievable talents and skills. He, he's already financially in a place that many of us would long uh, to be in. Uh, he, he's on a TV show. What, what does it mean to you that a guy who's already gotten where many of us think we need to get would say to you, when you get there, you're still going to want Jesus? And, and here's my question. Do you have to spend the next 5, 10, 20 years figuring this out? Or could you begin to say, wow, even if I get that promotion, even if I get that bigger house, I mean, even if I get the acknowledgement and the accolades, there is still going to be something in me that needs Jesus in my life. You know, it's possible that that there are some of us in this room that it went like that. You you just went, wow, I get it. I don't need to go home and think about it. I don't need to, I get it. I get it that Despite what I achieve, despite where I get financially, despite whether I get the prom- I'm going to want Jesus, and I'm ready. I mean, I am just, I'm ready to get that done in my life. And here's the totally cool thing about this. Having God in your life is as simple as a prayer. It's simply just saying, hey, God, I get it, and I want you. Matter of fact, uh, the first chapter of John uh, just simply says this, as many as believed on him, talking about Jesus. He gave the power to be the sons of God. And it's simply just saying, okay, God, I'm done running. (laughs) I'm done pushing you out of my life. I'm ready to have you in my life. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us just to all bow our heads. I'm going to just pray a real simple prayer. And if you're at a point in your life where you say, look, I'm, I'm there. I get it. I'm ready. Then you could just quietly pray this prayer right now in your seat. And, And that prayer would go a little bit something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm I'm just done pushing you away. And I get it today. I get that 
I don't need to spend the next 10, 15, 20 years figuring this out. I'm, even if I get the promotion, even if I get the new car, I'm going to want Jesus. And so I'm, I'm just asking you to come into my life right now. And, and would you forgive me for all the times I've pushed you away and for all the moments in my life when I've done exactly what I knew I shouldn't be doing and I did it anyways. Would, would you forgive me for my sin? And would you just come into my heart and come into my life now? I'm, I mean it. Would you be my Savior? And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you, if you just prayed that prayer. In the seat back, right in front of you, there's a card. It just says, yes to God. And if you prayed that prayer, that's exactly what you did. You just said, yes to God. And these guys are going to lead us in worship in just a moment. But while they're doing that, would you just take a moment, fill out that card. And if you look real closely around, all around the edges, there's tables that just say, yes on them. And I'm going to ask you in a few moments when the service is over, would you take that filled out card, drop it on the table. Because if you did that, that'd be a statement, wouldn't it? That'd say, I, I meant this. <laughs> if you didn't get anything else from hearing Paul Jr., you got, he means this. And if you were to take that card and put it on, you'd, you'd be saying the same thing. I, I mean this. I want Jesus in my life. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. There are some of us in this room, and you're already a Christian. But man, you've been wondering, <laughs> and, and you've, been, you've been far away Something in your heart says, man, I got to get back. And I'm just going to ask you, what's taking you so long? And some of you need to leave this place today and say, I, I, I'm just going to start meaning business with God again. So as these guys play, as we sing this last song, fill out those cards, do some business with God.